Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel America's number one sports book is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Uh, we're continuing on in our post-draft talk, and today we're going to talk about the the edge position. Uh, certainly, a position we expected a lot more activity uh, during the draft that did not occur for the Ravens. Here to join me with uh, uh, about it is Gabe Ferguson, who talked edge before the draft. Gabe, how you doing? I'm good, Ken. Thanks for having me. I was, I was about to mention that we you know we broke down this whole class of edge rushers before the draft, now after the draft, and. We, and we we got one of those players that we talked a little bit about, but it wasn't the one I think that we were expecting. But mm-hmm. you know, you know, thinking about it in hindsight, knowing the defensive coordinator and all that, it kind of makes sense now that it's happened. Um, okay, it makes sense, like how that connection exists. Yeah. I'll go along with that. Let's talk. We'll talk a little bit about whether or not Ajabo was the right pick. We was because we didn't actually have a chance to interact on this since draft night. I don't believe since that second day. Yeah, that that is correct. Um, I, you know, and like you said, we'll we'll get to that. But I th- I think that we both thought that he was someone who would probably be a little too rich at 45. But mm-hmm. you know, they made they made the choice because they thought he was someone who could come back and be an impactful player. And he was a higher ranked player than the other 
edge rushers on the board at that point. So, mm-hmm. you know, from that perspective, I understand it. All right. Uh, let's talk about the edge group in general, who the Ravens have right now. Uh, Jalen Ferguson is still on this team, entering his fourth year. Uh, obviously, a, a, a rush linebacker, not a Sam linebacker. Uh, so he could still be used on rundowns. That would be one possibility. Of course, Ajabo just drafted. Not sure of his health status to start the season. Not sure how much he'll miss. Uh, not sure how much development he'll miss, as well as you know how much playtime he'll miss. Yeah, a lot of question marks. Um, I, th- I think Ferguson was someone that going into a draft I'd expected probably would be on the outside looking in mm-hmm. on the 53. Um, I'm a little bit more likely to think he makes it now, especially with you know Ajabo's health issues. I think there is a, a role for Ferguson, like you said, as an early down um, edge defender. Uh, um, he's played pretty well in that role as kind of the the edge setter as someone who can be a bigger body out there and kind of contain against the run um i wouldn't expect him to you know be in the higher number of, of snaps that, compared to the rest of the outside linebacker position but i do think that there, he could carve out a role if, if he can prove to be you know a viable player in that in that in that kind of edge especially run defense role All right and that's it's at first at this point in his career uh, entering his fourth year, he's lost all future option value. So right. the Ravens don't have any claim to years five plus the way they did have a claim to the fourth year when they started the third, for example, or claim to three years when they started his rookie year. And so naturally, a, a player's value to a team declines as their additional cheap option years uh you know, go away. So Ferguson's wasted, unfortunately, that, and uh, we've gotten very little out of him, frankly, relative to the to the draft pick uh, return. He didn't earn an escalator like Miles Boykin that got him basically uh, booted, but he uh, is at a point where he, uh, you know, the Ravens are in need of a rush linebacker, and uh, you know, particularly because Owe, who played there last year, uh, is probably going to have to move and and be a fairly regular Sam linebacker this year. Yeah, I think so. Um, And I I think that's probably how we'll see the Ravens come out in their base defense with, if the current roster is the way it it is set up now, I think that, you know, Ferguson might be the starting rush outside linebacker. And then you have OA as a starting Sam. Um, And then I think when you get into some of the, you know, the sub packages, the third and long situations, you'll see OA move over to the rush side um, or and then maybe bring in Hayes as an outside linebacker on the Sam side, or maybe there's a veteran um, who can be signed. You know, Justin Houston just got the the free agent tender. Um, I, I think I think what what we'll see is Owe being leaned on a lot, especially early on in the season mm-hmm. before Jabo comes on. I think he's someone who's going to actually see a, a higher snap count than we normally get out of the Ravens outside linebackers. Yeah, could could very well be. He could be an eighty percent guy or something. Uh, you know, so we've we've seen that from Suggs in the past. We mm-hmm. really haven't seen it from anyone else for for the Ravens, uh, uh, not in a long time, anyway. Uh, Dalen Hayes, you mentioned a guy who the Ravens have to lean on to some degree. He's the only other guy who can really play Sam. I think he'll be the backup at least to start the season. Um, we don't know too much about him other than he played pretty well in last year's preseason. Yeah, it, it's it's really tough to you know, rely on him, I think, from from the Ravens. I think they liked him, obviously, a fifth-round pick, I think, last year. Um, so he's, you know, he's he's got the 
physical tools to be a, a good, I think, Sam linebacker. He moves pretty well in space. He's not the most athletic. He's not like a Tyus Bowser, but he seems mm-hmm. like, you know, he has good awareness. Um, he did a little bit in the pass rush area in the preseason. Um, he wasn't on the field enough. He didn't get enough snaps to know what that's really going to look like when, when the live, you know, fire is, is happening. So, I think, you know, we have to hope that he comes back um, in the second year stronger, um, you know, a little bit more physical, just a little bit more developed. And, you know, there's potential there for him to be, you know, a consistent part of the rotation, but he's going to have to earn those snaps. And we'll have to see if, if he can take them away from someone like Ferguson, just in terms of the outside linebacker position. Right. I mean, that's that's uh, fair enough. I, I guess he's not – he Owe will need some snaps off. Right. So uh, obviously Hayes is really the guy at the beginning of the year who can take those. Now, we're making an assumption here that Tyus Bowser is not going to be able to start the year and obviously a similar type injury to Ajabo. So there, there really is a question whether he might be able to start the year. He's a little bit older, but but still getting back quickly is is something that's that happens more frequently. And Ajabo, I guess, was injured in March, correct? And yeah, I think it was. I think it was March at, his, at when the pro day was. Um, so he's, you know, the, Ian Rapport came out. He tweeted, you know, they're expected to be back by October. Um, I, I think that's optimistic. I mean, we've seen that happen with some players. You know, obviously Cam Akers comes to mind um, last year when he returned um, after the I think training camp injury, and then obviously uh, Terrell Suggs. You know, he tore his Achilles and he came back by the end of that year. So it's possible. Um, it's happened before. I, I will say when Suggs returned, and he's often cited as the example, it's also fair to look at the season he had in 2012. It was the worst year of his career. Right. And, you know, it's yes, he came back. He probably did come back too early. People will point to the fact he got a sack in his very first game, and that was a big deal, even though they got destroyed by Houston in that game. Uh, honestly, it, it wasn't a good year for Suggs. Uh, he did some, he did some, certainly did some positive things for the Ravens in the postseason, but, yeah. uh, uh, you know, probably came back too soon would be the way I would look at it. Yeah. And, and with Bowser, um, you know, I'm a little bit more optimistic that he might be available at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, obviously his injury was earlier, um, January. So, mm-hmm. um, an eight to nine month turnaround is I think more reasonable for an Achilles injury. Um, you know, he's, we saw him walking around, so he's 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 not completely, you know, kind of off his feet. So it's it's good that he's making some progress. Um, he, he's a very athletic guy. We'll see how that impacts his ability to kind of move in space, to have that same explosion that he has had in the past. Um, but I think at the very least, we'll see him on a pitch count to the start of the season. If, if he is available in week one, he's not going to be out there, you know, 40 plus snaps a game like he was last year. It's, it's going to be much more limited, I believe. Right. So you, you're using a nine month um, window. You might say October for Bowser yeah. and December for Ajabo. And that actually sounds pretty darn reasonable to me. And effectively, that means Ajabo loses the entire year in terms of play. Uh, I think, unfortunately, he loses pretty close to the entire year in terms of development. I, I, I keep maybe deluding myself into the notion that there's something he can learn about hand play or other things that he can still do while he's rehabbing an Achilles injury. But I think that's got to be probably pretty difficult because it's a, it's in your molecular molecular biologist by trade. (laughs) Okay. Uh, How much of learning is um, full body still learning signals that are, that are used by an individual part of the body, like your hands? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, 
So, I, I, yeah, I'm not sure it, how much you can do just by like studying film, for instance. And mm-hmm. maybe you can do some like hand placement type things. Um, but you, when a in, a in a football field, when when it's really like yes, you're using your hands, but you have to have like leverage throughout your entire body too. You have to be able to kind of um, have that entire anchor in order for that hand use to actually be worthwhile. So I don't, there might be some form things that he could work on, maybe some technique things, but it's not actually going to be the same as, you know, being out there in in full practice. So I think watching tape might be helpful, you know, looking at the technique that you want him to use and you can kind of then look at his technique and say, this is what you, where we see some areas to improve. And that could be something that's at least ingrained. So he has an idea going into it, but um, I'm not, I'm not sure how much that's actually going to actually work until he's, you know, on the field and, and putting it into practice. Yeah. It seems like to me a lot of like weight transfer and whatnot is going on in your body while you're doing hand training drills. Right. And we saw Justin Houston teaching a lot of that last year, uh, in a way that, you know, Hey, maybe a guy sitting in a chair could learn that. And, and I just, I'm not believing it would work the same way for that. It's, uh, it, it, and you know, not that he couldn't stand up and do it. He just maybe couldn't transfer his weight normally. I, I, yeah. No, I was just going to say with, with the Jabo though, I think for me, the the biggest thing on his film where I saw the need for improvement was in run defense and, and the technique specifically when setting the edge. I think in terms of his pass rush, he was more advanced than a lot of the other pass rushers coming out. And I think that was will translate. And it's not something that he's going to, to lose, you know, as he's waiting to get better. I, I will say I kind of came out of film film on a Jabba with a with a pretty dissimilar view is that he was fairly raw still in terms of what he had in his toolkit. Um, he's got some things that are just exceptional that made him a great pass rush. He's tremendously explosive off the off the snap. Uh, he's he's almost won the rep a lot of the time before it even starts by you know getting getting to the outside or getting low on that, on that edge when he's doing a speed rush. Uh, he had some ability to make counters and, and part of his explosiveness was giving him advantages or college tackles in that regard. I, I, I think in terms of just the, the general toolkit of what he does as a pass rusher, he's got a lot to learn. And, and that's where I hope he, uh, I, I hoped he could use this time well as a, as a, as something he that, that he could develop in. And now I, I'm, you know, what I've been saying about him, and this may or may not be really fair about Ajabo, but Ajabo, a second round draft pick, and he probably should have been a first, you know, given the the uh, the injury, but prior to the injury, I think if, if he ends up being Paul Kruger, that you end up getting one and a half really good years out of him, I think that might be okay. It wouldn't be good, but it would be like, okay. If you get two and a half, good years out of him, that would be really good. So that means his development kind of starts next year in the preseason. Then he gets off to a rocky start, but kind of figures it out around midseason in 23. And then he gives you 24 and 25 at a high level. I would, I would love for that to be the result. Yeah, I think, I think that's reasonable. And I, I agree with, with you that he is a role player. I mean, there's a reason why he basically was a one-year starter uh, at Michigan. He, even at the beginning of this season, he, he was basically like a pass for a specialist and they saw, okay, he has a little bit more to him. He started playing him a lot more frequently. And, and by the end of the year, he was out there pretty much on every down, except for some of the games where, you know, teams were running at him. And that's, mm-hmm. to me, that's, that was the biggest issue I had was it was his run defense. And that's where I think he really needs to improve. Um, 
good news is when he does make it back for the Ravens, I think he will be used primarily in that pass rush specialist role. I don't think he's going to be out there on, you know, first downs, probably not much on second downs either. Um, so, you know, he can just be out there as kind of that speed guy off the edge opposite of, of OA on, on third down and long and have an impact in the, in that minimal, you know, small set of snaps that that's going to be where he's going to be at his best. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think he'll be that pass rush specialist. And uh, that may even be what he is for his entire time here. But but he'll have a chance to develop more. Going, going back to another player who is really getting a big chance to develop this year, this is a great opportunity for Adafi Oye. I mean, obviously, he's going to play more snaps. But he's getting a, a new layered set of responsibilities after really succeeding at what he did on the rush side. I, I think there's it is not without risk that they make this move because of, hey, if you move a guy – you always risk messing him up, right? And uh, and ask him to do other things. And I, I think if I had to guess, I'd say Adafi would like to probably keep the same role and not have to become a same linebacker if that was if that was really an option. It just doesn't happen to be for this Ravens team. Yeah, I think the one thing that could make that happen is if Dalen Hayes takes a big step forward really quickly, and if he's able to you know step into that starting Sam role um, and be and be on the field um, opposite of OA for a lot of snaps early on, then that will allow him to stay more in the, in the rush role. Um, but, you know, like I said earlier, I, I anticipate that OA is going to be someone who really is expected to be on the field a lot. And that's probably going to mean he's going to be in both roles and he's going to have to learn to do both things. Um, and that'll make him a complete outside linebacker. And, and I mm-hmm. think he has the skill set to do that. He's obviously some, someone that the Ravens have, talked about highly as his ability to be a run defender that's going to keep him on the field in early downs he obviously has you know elite type of athleticism and that speed off the edge if he can learn to kind of harness that speed and that you know put it get a little better on his his get off work on the ability to bend on the edge work on his on the same things we're talking about with the job you know using his hands using his his counters learning counters that that's what mm-hmm. he needs to do to get to that next level he has all the physical ability um i think that once he gets a little bit more reps once he gets a little bit more you know training some of those you know those veteran type of interactions and and, and you know he'll get that as, as he is in the program longer. So I, I'm expecting him to take a leap this year. I think um, he's really someone that the Ravens are going to lean on. So it's, it's going to be important for him to do so. You know, Lamar Jackson has been a North star for the Ravens in terms of his, you know, not only who he is as a quarterback, that obviously has helped, not just a little bit. In terms of, of his willingness to invest in himself during the offseason with positional training and really lock onto that, Owe is a guy, boy, you don't wait for training camp to try and get the proper education on these things. I hope he's out there right now with some sort of pass rush guru working on this. Yeah, I, I know he had that, you know, offseason surgery. So there's a little bit of a recovery time for for a shoulder. Um, I'm not sure. It's probably like a, a two to three month recovery. That would be my guess. Um, but then after that, I'm, I'm with you. I think, you know, I'm hoping that he's he's got, you know, a position specialist that he's working with, you know, working on using his hands, working on bending, working on his get off because, you know, he has that athleticism, but at times he, he, he was looking like he was shot out of a cannon. Sometimes though, he looked like he was a little hesitant at the line. Mm-hmm. Um, so he needs to be more consistent with that. Um, but and, you know, and those are all things that he's still someone who's new to the game like and and Ajabo is the same way both of them you know just started playing in high school they don't they haven't been playing football their entire lives so 
there is still a lot of room to grow, grow into their bodies, um, really harness that athleticism that they possess to be, you know, pretty elite players. I think they, their upside could possibly be at. Yeah. Uh, can't say enough about, you know, just the need for offseason training, but I guess we won't bash on players any more than this. Uh, Justin Houston, a, a, you know, player we really haven't talked about too much here yet. The Ravens did put a tender on mm-hmm. him that would um, result in a compensatory pick if he's uh, taken away from somebody else. It seems like a fairly obvious move. I'm surprised this doesn't come up more often, this veteran tender yeah. um, that, that they can they can put people on. Because I think it's a 20% raise, and I don't know when it came, whether it was the last CBA or whether it's been here the whole time and just nobody used to use it. Yeah, it's so from what I've understood about it, it's, it's very, very rarely used. Mm-hmm. Um, it's And it depends, it's based off of the previous year's salary. So it's, it's going to be, I think you said 20% raise. I think that sounds right. Um, and then if another team does sign him, then the Ravens will get that compensatory pick for him. Um, so it, it's kind of, you know, guaranteed money for Houston if he wants to take it. Um, it might hurt his, you know, market a little bit because, you know, a team that wants to sign him that would then have to potentially give up a compensatory pick. So that might take some teams off the, off the board for him. They give up a, a pick, or they the Ravens get a compensatory. Well, pick. so I, I, it puts them into the compensatory formula. So okay. it it would depend on you know what other picks they had or what other you know free gotcha. agents they had signed or let go. So it, it makes them available for that formula. Um, so for the Ravens, who I think you know they signed I think two unrestricted free agents and they had more than that leave, so they would be in line to get a couple compensatory picks still, not early ones. They would probably be like fifth or sixth round picks. But, you know, if Houston was then signed by someone else, you know, that would most likely also be another potential pick that they could get back. Um, So, you know, it makes sense for the Ravens. I think it makes sense for Houston to come back for for both sides. I would imagine they kind of had a handshake deal at the beginning of or end of the offseason, beginning of free agency. We'd like to bring you back. You know, here's the the money that we can offer you. If you can go get a better deal, go do so. Um, It doesn't seem like that market was there for him. There's still other pass rushers who are available so it's not something that teams are like eager to sign apparently and, and i think in the end he probably does come back here that'd be my guess right all right uh you know what's one of the things that's interesting about this is to put a jabo on the roster he might be a pup candidate but there's there are other players who will get injured in camp and they know they'll be able to come back and they're going to have to be playing this game with to get them on the roster it's actually the Ravens have a difficult roster to do that with this year. They don't have the, the same number of veteran players. And I'm, I'm thinking about Tony Jefferson seems like one of the players who might get a, a, a handshake deal yeah. in terms of coming back. And I, I don't think they could do it with Houston. I think that would be too risky probably. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else really even fits into the category uh, of, uh, of a veteran guy that they could they could have around because they don't, they don't really have any in the receiving core that I could think of. I don't think yeah. they have a tight end. They might have a couple of like, you know, one-year corner deals, not really veteran necessarily. Like a Kayvon Seymour or somebody? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like someone who's like, you know, fringe roster, maybe kind of special team contributor. Um, that I mean, that's probably the, the only person I could think of. Maybe is there an offensive lineman that – I don't I don't even think an offensive line because they're mostly on Cologne. rookie contracts. Yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah. Cologne, yeah. Uh, it, it, and, and that would be risky because teams, their depth – chart breaks down in camp at a lot of positions and offensive line. So we saw last year, they were able to trade Bredesen for, for a pick and um, uh, corner are, are two of the ones that break down. So it's hard to stash 
corners on these, uh, you know, loosey goosey deals. And if they, if they, if they're not veterans, if they're on the rookie deal, they have to go through waivers. So with yeah. Cologne, you know, he, he good chance he could be taken. So, all right. Well, that's, that's, it's, you know, kind of a, a, a discussion of the good edge players here. Let's, let's talk about McDonald. Cause obviously mm-hmm. he's coming in and he's going to bring his new thoughts to this defense. Uh, we've had a little bit of discussion on each one of these type shows, but uh, what are you expecting in terms of, of how he'll want to handle a numbers and B deception yeah. within the pass rush? So, you know, just, just looking at more of what he did in Michigan, um, and he, there was, you know, there was some blitzing, there was some deception. Um, it was more of like a, in the critical moment type of things. He, he did it more often, like when, when the stakes were higher. Um, he seemed to just rely more on the four-man pass rush more than more than Martindale did. Um, I mean, he did have two really good edge rushers, so it, it helps allow you to do that. Um, I think he'll probably be a little bit, more aggressive in the NFL than, than when he was in Michigan, just based on the personnel that he's going to have available with him. Um, and, it ma- and it makes sense, I think, to do a little bit more blitzing. He's obviously familiar with what the Ravens scheme has been. So I, I think you'll see a continuation of that. What what I would expect to see, though, is l- a little bit less of you know the complex, like several players moving forward, several players moving backward, mm-hmm. you know, cover zero. When, when you have like, four, you know, seven guys at the line of scrimmage and, and you know, four guys dropping off and, you know, slot cornerback blitzing. It's, I, I would expect a little bit less of that and expecting a little bit more kind of conservative coverage and a little bit more like kind of more conservative blitzes, uh, but very like timely. That That's what I would expect. Okay. I, I would basically agree that I don't think we're going to see some of the crazy stuff. I think some of the, uh, you know, working on cover zero with everybody in press yeah. kind of thing uh, is, is less likely. And, and it's not necessarily that the pass rush. It's a lot of it's about the quality of the secondary and having good safeties on the back end. You, you, you trust to bracket some of those dangerous coverages, I think, are, are uh, you know, a positive thing. The other thing is, you know, you don't need to get to the quarterback right away if you have all sorts of opportunities that you're you're offsetting by uh, to take the ball away on the back end and the ravens have having two free safeties is enormously powerful in terms of the ability to uh have robber opportunities have have some guessing that occurs on the back end kind of like think of it as like a soccer goalie trying to stop a penalty kick you know you can you can just guess on one direction you're going and 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 head off there and that receiver then is is probably going to be taken out of the play and your your other guy who is who's you know taking a split role may may turn into a single high guy out of that. Yep. Uh, so that that could be something that would be uh, of value. The all kinds of robber opportunities, but you know, bring Hamilton down into the box, bring a bigger body on when you're playing zone defenses and cover three that you you have a uh, you know a bigger obstacle over at level one. I just think this this team has a lot of opportunity to generate turnovers that wasn't there or or wasn't produced on last year, even if it was there. Yeah, I, I agree. And one thing that I would also expect, and I know this isn't a, a coverages podcast, but mm-hmm. I think we'll see more, more zone coverage, frankly. I, th- yeah. I think we'll see a little bit more um, more cover four, probably. Um, McDonald did play a lot more like two high safeties mm-hmm. um, than, than what we saw from Martindale. He played a lot more like single high safety um, in, in, the, in the past year. So, um, you know, the Ravens have a lot of versatility in, the, in their safeties between, you know, mm-hmm. Clark and Hamilton and, and Williams. You know, that's a very versatile group, a very talented group. And I think 
the focus is going to be on how to use those, uh, assuming Clark is still in in the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then you have you know the guys on the front end with with getting back to the outside linebackers. Um, it's, you know, with Bowser, you know, coming off of the injury, I don't know if they're going to use him in the same way that they used him last year. You know, he was a really rare player for the Ravens who was able to you know drop over 200 times in coverage and be extremely mm-hmm. effective in that role. Is he going to have that same ability? And do you you know do you want to give him that same responsibility, knowing that he may not be the same kind of athlete that he was prior to the Achilles injury, you know, and if he does look the same, maybe you do give him that responsibility, but maybe you have him play more off the ball. You don't have him on the yeah. edge as much as he did last year. Yeah. I, I, I think the off ball makes a lot of sense to me The the dropping him from the line of scrimmage uh, you know, it's, it's an opportunity to jam a, a, a tight end that's in line there. So you, there is some value to it, but I can, I can see why they wouldn't want to do it. It's also, it could be deceptive in terms of the rush, which maybe they don't need as much anymore. Uh, one of the things I thought we would see more of this year is pass rush where Hamilton becomes a bigger part of it, whether yeah. he's second edge, meaning he just lines up just to the outside with no pretense, comes up late to the edge or, or off the slot where you yep. really want to have him on the same side as a guy who can fan that edge rusher and give him a BC gap choice that he can make, uh, you know, to, to, to make his pass rush. So I, I'm, uh, I just love the, the, the weapons the Ravens have right now. I think they, they have a lot of opportunities against bigger slot receivers to neutralize some guys and so maybe some flex tight ends and maybe some bigger receivers uh, with, with Hamilton. Yeah, I mean, Hamilton's really going to be that movable chess piece now, um, mm-hmm. and it's going to be um, really fun to see how he gets implemented. And, you know, I think the position that's probably going to be most impacted in terms of loss of snaps will be the inside linebacker position. Yes. And if we're looking at the the Ravens, you know, defensive roster, that's probably the least talented group that they have. So it makes sense to kind of, you know, minimize the impact of that position and, and let the players that you have the most talent with that's your secondary. And I think to a certain extent, your outside linebacker group and your defensive line, give those positions, the reps, allow them to really, you know, take the brunt of, of those responsibilities and, you know, have the linebackers out there on early downs, you know, maybe keep one or two of them and, and some of the sub packages, but they don't necessarily have to be out there, especially if you're going to be playing you're these talking diamond inside quarters. linebackers. Yes. Inside yeah. linebackers. Yeah, and I completely agree. And and it's not one or two; it's one. Maybe keep one. So, yeah. so, so yeah. the the Ravens don't really have an a, a current inside linebacker who is good in coverage. Bynes has has more instincts than the others. They don't have LG Ford on the roster anymore. So it's they're not they don't have really have a coverage inside linebacker. Yeah. Uh, they they've got to do it with safeties. I think yeah. you know this is probably a year where we see a lot of four safety looks. And we see uh, Jefferson and Clark both in the box on some passing downs. Yeah. And, and the one thing that we may see is, you know, Christian Welch, you know, having a, a bigger role. We started to see him mm-hmm. play a little bit more on actual defensive snaps last year. I thought he played decently well when he was on the field. He wasn't yeah. someone who really stood out, but he wasn't like a negative either. Um, he has, you know, more of that athletic profile. So he could be someone who could be there kind of in that, um, you know, that board role and is like the dime um you know, linebacker. Uh, so I think that would be something that we could see. Um, and maybe, you know, Patrick Queen finally takes that next step. It's, it's not completely impossible that he, you know, it's going into his third year. We've seen some development from him last year. So maybe he really does, you know, put that time into the, the film room, put the time into understanding some of these coverages and what he's being asked to do. And maybe mm-hmm. he can be on the field more often than we saw him last year and be more effective in that role. Yeah, that's a that's a that's some, certainly something to hope for. I don't know if you saw it, but on the, the I think it was the first night of the draft, 
at 1.04 a.m., Patrick Queen changed his Twitter to not have the Ravens on it anymore. <laughs> so, uh, you know, after they dra- just drafted Hamilton, of course, on the first night. And so the question comes up is, you know, did he see the handwriting on the wall from that? Or is it not reflexive? He just, he just was doing a, the same thing a lot of his teammates had done in terms of, uh, of, of taking the Ravens off his Twitter profile page. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about that, all that social media nonsense. I, th- I think it's kind of ridiculous to me. So, you know, we'll see if it means anything. I doubt it. Um, but what's going to mean something is how well he plays. And, and if he's not going to, you know, play up to the level that he's required to, there will be other players who can take his snaps. So hopefully he has a better season than what he's had in the past or the previous first two. We, we, we can agree on that, of course, but how much of a chance do you give a guy like that to, to come back is really the question to me. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm, we're certainly at the point at year three where we're done with any sort of excuses. Patrick Queen needs to perform now, not later. He's obviously he's playing for his, his fifth year option this year. Other than that, he's going to make a lot less money in the NFL if he doesn't get that fifth year option cash by the Ravens. Uh, you know, they, I guess it's possible he could have a big fourth year after he has yeah. a lousy third year. That seems a, like a lot more difficult exacta than just having a big third year getting paid off you know, at the fifth, at the fourth and fifth year at the rookie deal and the, and then the inflated number and then getting really paid. But uh, hopefully he'll, he takes it seriously and, and hopefully he, he doesn't um, take a lot of nights off in terms of self-congratulation and whatnot. And uh, with, with what he's done, I mean, people want to set goals for themselves. They want to, you know, meet those goals and you want to reward yourself sometimes for doing that. I mean, I, the guy who is never quite there in the NFL is the guy I kind of want on my roster. Yeah, I mean, there's always that fire burning. You, we would hope, so that they have like you know the desire to improve and keep getting better. So we'll, we'll see if that's there for Queen, and you know this, this will be kind of the make or break year for him for sure. Um, you know, real quick, getting back to outside linebackers, um, I was I was looking at snap counts, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting how they've kind of changed over the years. Um, last year it was it was basically three players that the Ravens played. It was it was Justin Houston. It was OA. And it was Bowser, and they played mm-hmm. pretty similar snap counts. They're all in like the 550 to like 600 some snaps. Um, I think Bowser led them, but but it wasn't by a lot. Um, so I, I think this year it's going to be Owe who's probably going to have the most snaps, um, and then we'll see how the rest of them kind of trickle down. But most other teams don't split up snaps like that. You know, they have like one guy who has a lot of snaps their main edge rusher they lean heavily on and then maybe they'll have another one who's kind of in the 500 snap or if they have two really good edge rushers you might just see two guys out there all the time um but the ravens kind of like try to spread it out more so than most other teams it's kind of interesting how they do that so i'm curious if that's the same approach that they'll take this year um with the injuries it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out though yeah, so I'll, I'll give you the exact numbers here that I have from from my tabulating. So Bowser was at seventy seven percent of the snaps, seventy six point nine. Uh, Ferguson twelve point two percent. We didn't mention Harrison yet. I don't really take his move to outside linebacker seriously. Yeah, uh, I think he's still going to be most. I mean, maybe some, he'll play some of the Sam. Um, mm-hmm. And I, he has the size, I think, to to do that. If if you know Hayes doesn't really you know show up and be able to take on that role, maybe that's when Her- where Harrison kind of fits into the equation. Um, you know, they, they did have a third round draft spot for him, so mm-hmm. you'd like to see him out there on the field. Um, maybe that's maybe that's something that we'll see. 
Right. We'll we'll see how that plays out. Obviously, Houston fifty three and a half percent away, fifty seven point one percent. So anyway, it's uh, it's it, it'll be interesting to see how they divide up these snaps the next year. McPhee, by the way, twenty one point three percent too, still too. Um, they've given away McPhee's number. Uh, they'd already used language. And they gave away Jimmy Smith's number two, by the way. Yeah. They've always already used language that indicated that both of them were retiring yep. without, I believe, that being said mm-hmm. explicitly. Yeah, right. yeah, I think that was the Harbaugh press conference where he said, you know, he'll, he'll let them, you know, talk about their futures, yep. that kind of thing. I mean, that that's like you said, it's been said in the past for other players that have gone on to retire. I think mm-hmm. it makes sense for both of them. They, they've had, you know, injury plagued seasons for the past few years, that, and frankly. You know their play at times is okay, but at times it's not been quite where you want it to be. So I think it makes sense for both to retire. But frankly, yeah, I I would agree. I think uh, I think it makes sense. I mean, McPhee is still a reasonable choice as an edge setter on first down, and he's priced right. You know, in the last couple of years, he's only made the minimum salary. He also gives you that extra chess piece to move away during roster building time. Because he's a guy that nobody else is going to take. So, you know, it's nice to have him instead of a Ferguson in that spot. You know, I guess if Ferguson potentially is is another player that could be released and re-signed if if nobody else, you know, picks him up on waivers. Um, He has to go through waivers, yeah. Yeah. So that that makes it, you know, a little harder to get him through. You wouldn't be able to do that handshake. But, you know, he hasn't really done much. I don't know if teams would want to pick him up. and But maybe, maybe, I don't know. That, that, That could happen potentially. But... If you really like need him out there, then you wouldn't let him go. I guess in that situation, it, it seems more likely to me that he'd be uh, actually he's making less than I thought as a third round pick. He does have two hundred twenty five thousand in bonus, but he has nine hundred sixty five thousand in base salary yeah. only. So it's not like he's making a couple million as as a yeah. second round player. So maybe that is a uh, maybe that's reasonable. Maybe maybe no one would. Uh, would be that eager. I'm sure the Ravens will be looking at depth around the league and their first choice would be to trade the guy if they, yeah. uh, you know, ha- it were forced into a position where they're going to have to release him or, or make room for him. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a, he's a very tough uh, personnel decision to make, but there's, you know, the fact that there's no option value does make him an automatic component of any analysis of who the Ravens are going to have on the margin of the roster. So uh, he's a bubble boy. Yeah. And I think, it's really going to be, I mean, there's a lot of variables at play. The, obviously, the health of, of Ajabo and Bowser, um, the development of, of Hayes. Um, and then is Ferguson take a leap? You know, we thought maybe he would a couple of years already. He hasn't. Maybe this is the time. Maybe he's like, this is my last year on the roster. I have a chance. You know, there's potential snaps out there for him. Um, maybe this is the, you know, the chance for him to kind of, in that final year of a contract, you know, kind of finally, you know, be the player that the Ravens drafted him to be. So I'm not completely writing him off. There's always that opportunity. Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that goes for him. Yeah, I'm. I'm in the same position as you. I'm. I'm hoping. And uh, um, you know, that's 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 really all I have to say about it. I mean, they 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 uh, they have no stake in his future directly after this season. It's it's all about what he can do this year, and and he's going to hopefully earn himself a hell of a lot of money by his play with the Ravens this year. Yeah. Well, he has a great last name. So I, I holding out hope for him to, to make that impact. <laughs> it's a, it's a good last name if you're a microbiologist. So maybe, maybe, he's, maybe he's got a future in that. Yeah. Maybe he right. took the wrong career path. <laughs> All right. 
All right. So we won't beat on him any more than that. So outstanding stuff. Let's one more thing I want to talk about is who do the Ravens really have anymore that they would kick inside on third down? Or do we see that as being more likely that we're going to get more of the traditional uh, down linemen at that position? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and I don't think they have anybody with that traditional kind of body type, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Ferguson would probably be the closest in terms of his, you know, his size and, and his build, but they, I think they used him a little bit in that role when he was a yeah. rookie and it didn't really work out that well. He's, you know, maybe that's, that's where he goes this year. Maybe he takes that kind of developmental step and, you know, maybe adds some strength and, and some works on his, and his quickness and his, and his ability to penetrate from an interior position. If he can do that, then that would give him actually some value on the roster because I don't really see anybody else who can fit into that. So it, it really would have to come from the defensive tackle position. Um, you know, Matabike and Campbell, they still have a pretty nice pair of defensive tackles who can push the pocket, um, who can, you know, do a little bit of that interior penetration and provide some pass rush on the, on the inside. Um, and maybe also with, with McDonald coming in, they allow those defensive tackles to be a little bit more aggressive in how they penetrate through a gap mm-hmm. as opposed to being more of, you know, a, a two gap first, you know, play the run first. Um, I think that was more of the Martindale style and, and P's before him. Um, they really wanted to focus on stopping the run and not kind of lose that gap integrity. But if, if you want to be a little bit more aggressive in pass rush, you can, you can have your defensive tackles kind of, you know, try to slip those, those blocks and get in, to the backfield faster you know it, it does allow you to be more um, prone to being run on when you do that mm-hmm. but it allows more you know splash more splash plays and, and also allows you to get after the quarterback more aggressively travis jones a guy who uh particularly when lined up as a three tech i think in it, where he would typically get a one-on-one matchup against a guard uh is a guy i think who could really help you there but the yeah. ribs also have the interior players that they've got uh whether it's jones whether it's uh, Campbell, um, could be Matabike as well. They all have good twist characteristics. So they can do things for you on the inside to help you get rushes from somebody else or, or to loop in the case of Matabike because mm-hmm. he's very quick. So anyway, really looking forward to it and, and love this discussion with you, Gabe. Always a pleasure to talk football with you. Tell folks where they can find your stuff regularly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Gabe Fergie. Um, pretty, pretty active during you know, the season when, th- when things are going on, it's a little bit slow right now. It's kind of the dead time in the off season. Um, I do have a podcast called the Raven situation room with Jordan co. Um, we're also kind of in the off season downtime, but we are planning on recording one, uh, I think tomorrow, um, just to kind of give a little bit of an overview of the overall roster, some of the takes from the draft um, and, and just kind of take a pic- big, you know, big picture look at where the roster is and how it compares to what we've had and, you know, recent seasons and, and what we think that the, you know, the total idea of where this roster is going to be in 2022 is going to look like. All right. Outstanding stuff. You can find uh, the, both the, the podcast and you don't do articles occasionally. It's the podcast on yeah. filmstudybaltimore.com. Other folks out there, if you'd like to do a film study short with me, I'm looking for all sorts of topics. Just hit me up with a DM on Twitter. DMs are open, narrow topic. We can go into some depth in about 20 to 25 minutes is ideal. Love to hear from you. We'll get back to you very quickly. Gabe, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, thanks again. It's been a pleasure, and hopefully we can do this again sometime shortly. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.